Warning, the Catholic Man Show is about to begin. If you're looking for a dull, feel-good religion, or clap your hands, sit around the campfire kumbaya, you've come to the wrong place. We are dealing with toxic levels of authentic masculinity. I would say good luck, but luck is for pagans. Welcome to this very special edition of the Catholic Man Show. We are on the Lord's team, the winning side. So raise your glass. Adam Minahan here, sitting in studio. Dave to my left, we got Juan on the buttons. We have a very special guest with us this evening, returning guest with us. I guess it's not evening, it's, it's, it's still day afternoon. I'm used to recording in the evening times, but... We have Sam Guzman right. here of The Catholic Gentleman, and then we also have some of our best friends from College Station. We're recording this live for Seek 21 at College Station. There they are. Yeah. All right. All right. There they all are. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us tonight. Sam, thanks for hanging out with us as well. Yeah, so Sam, you are The Catholic Gentleman. Of all the gentlemen, you're, you're the Catholic you're one. You're the Catholic one. The one and only. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, hopefully there's a lot of Catholic gentlemen out there. Hopefully I'm not the only one. So. Whoop! Yeah. There so, it is. Whoop! Thanks for being with us today. Um, so we're doing a little bit of a... We're changing it up just a little bit uh, yes. to accommodate the conference. Um, we're going to be talking about holy leisure, talking about friendship, and possibly matrimony. Seeking, seeking holy matrimony. Seeking holy spouses. Holy yes. spouses. We also have that. We should introduce that. that oh, is yeah. as well from and we Red have Thaddeus Radio. Thaddeus Romanski. Yes, from Red Sea Radio. He's with us as well. Hey, there fellas. he is. Great to Th- be with you. We've got a great, excited crowd. They're still coming in. Let's give them another whoop from College Station, guys. Let them hear that Aggie yell. <laughs> Gig him. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. And uh, I heard you talk about seeking holy matrimony and seeking holy leisure. I see I see what you did there because it's seek the seek it's conference. It's very good. It's you very guys punny. Are clever. We're very punny. We're very punny. Yes. I didn't make it up, but I like to take credit for things. So <laughs> Okay, so we're going to talk we're going to start off by talking about seeking holy leisure. So hopefully each one will kind of bleed into the next topic. Uh Joseph Peeper is one of the guys that I go to. He's we call him the Peepster on yeah, the show. Totally, he's the he's the go to guy when it comes to leisure. He wrote a book um, on leisure, leisure the basis of culture. Uh, he was a German philosopher. Died. He, he was a Thomas philosopher. I think he died in the nineteen nineties. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. Was that is that right? That that sounds right to me. Yeah. yeah. So and, and I, I I think that. In order for us to talk about cultivating friend, holy friendships and then ultimately, hopefully, you know, finding a holy spouse, we have to provide ourselves with the opportunity to cultivate those friendships, right. which would be in holy leisure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so leisure is one of those interesting things because when you compare it with friendship, you discover that friendship and leisure are ordered towards each other. Mm-hmm. So you develop friendships so that you might have holy leisure and then and you have holy leisure so that you might develop friendships like authentic friendships mm-hmm. and so they're very they're 
self-feeding, self-fulfilling. Um, so it's very, very important. And I think it's something that really our culture has lost. It's certainly the American culture. There's more of a work ethic, historically speaking, where, you know, we prize and value just work, 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 work. And then out of that, I think, came this idea of that you rest on the weekends so that you can go back and work more, right? Which is not what the Catholic philosophy of work and leisure would uphold. Right. I think it's even interesting that because we are so work-oriented that you can tell that we're so bad at leisure because what happens when we actually have free time? We either we do one of two things. We either go and work more yeah. during our free time or we like pick up our, our phone and scroll scroll mindlessly through Facebook or something like that. Right. Yeah. It's almost like we don't know how to handle leisure, like our leisurely time. Yeah, I mean, uh, for a lot of people, it's just empty space that represents boredom, essentially. Um, you know, you got to fill it with something, got to fill it with some sort of stimulation or, you know, something to distract you. Um, but again, it's just it's just kind of like, well, what now? Um, yeah. And uh, I think if we can develop a sense of meaning around leisure, that it's not something that's completely pointless or just... Um, uh, a break from, you know, the mental stress or physical stress of the work week, but there actually can be something higher to it. Mm -hmm. um, I think we'll find more meaning in it. And, yeah. yeah. And this is one of those books that the leisure, the basis of culture by, by the peepster is one of those books that you just have to go and read. We're not obviously going to be able to plumb the depths of uh, that book in 12 minutes, but what he gets at in this book is that ultimately the liturgy is the highest form of leisure um, and that there is something pointless about the liturgy you know you're not doing anything while you're the, you know you're not building something or achieving uh something you know you can't look back and say here's what i did during the liturgy today you know it's from a human standpoint or from a secular standpoint maybe it's just totally pointless and often leisure is that way it seems that way and it's not until you understand the deeper meaning behind what you're doing and and who we are you know i think understanding leisure comes from an understanding of who, who is man what was he made for you know mm -hmm. ultimately the end of man is god mm -hmm. uh, he is who we are made for and so if we don't take time to rest and simply be with him then you're kind of wasting your life away. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. I mean, he even says, uh, he defines leisure. He says, leisure is an attitude of mind and a condition of the soul that fosters a capacity to receive reality in the world. Mm. To receive, like... Give me some of that reality. Yeah, reality in the world. Like, to, to realize what is real and what is not real. Yeah. Um, social media isn't necessarily real. You don't mm -hmm. have real conversations compared to sitting in front of you and me and talking. I think it's interesting if you go back to the original template of work and leisure. St. Benedict actually wasn't the first one who came up with the idea of ora et labora, prayer and work. Um, it actually goes back to Genesis. You know, the, the six days of creation, God created. And then on the seventh day, he rested. Mm -hmm. What was God trying to tell us there? He was trying to tell us something because... We know that God cannot expend energy. Like right. he's not actually tired. He doesn't get tired, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and in addition to that, he's outside of time. So 
six days, seven days. There's no such thing to God. So it was actually a lesson there for us. What uh-huh. was God trying to communicate to us? And I think the ultimate lesson there is how we should view time. Time as a window to eternity, sanctified moments that mm-hmm. we set aside, maybe even on a daily basis, that time for prayer and rest that we can build into our day, prayer, rest, meditation, you know, just setting aside those sacred moments that are set apart from the busyness and bustle of everyday life. But also during the week, there also needs to be a sanctified time that really is kind of a window into eternity, to our eternal state, where what are we going to be doing in eternity is creative play, contemplative play, if you will. Hmm, Yeah. Where we are... Uh, gazing upon you know the splendor of God, but also just uh, maybe maybe there will be creativity in heaven, you know, but it won't be creativity that's exhausting. It uh-huh. will be kind of that exuberant, you know, energetic play that that is represented by God's own creativity. Yeah. So I have a, I have a question for you guys about leisure. If I can if I can jump in here yes. from uh, Great State Please. of Texas and add something to the conversation. Um. I want to just mention that as a husband and a father, I, I struggle with, um, you know, giving my children enough time to play, but also trying to instill discipline in them and finding that correct balance between, you know, doing what doing what your your job is or your requirements are, but still finding that time to, um, thank you, my good man, um, still finding those times to really enjoy the being human and be, having the human experience. And the same thing is important in your marriage that you and your spouse find time to um, have merriment together. You have, you find time to um, do leisure activities together that it's not just a, a grind of, you know, getting the kids dressed and getting them fed and getting them to bed and so that you can go to sleep so you can go up and to go to work in the morning. So that's, that even works into the the dynamic of family life, right, fellas? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You, you got to be intentional. If you're not intentional about it, like you said, Thaddeus, you end up going through the grind, you go through the day, and you realize, oh, I haven't taken my wife out on a date in three months. you know, Or I haven't spent time with my daughter one-on-one uh, since her birthday. So you have mm-hmm. to carve out these times. You have to be intentional. I think even like in the in the college world, I can remember on Sundays you have to make sure that – Sunday is a day of rest, you know, in some aspect. It has to look different as a Catholic Sundays have to look different for us than every other day of the week because that's the day of rest for us. Right. And so if that means that we have to kind of do a little bit more uh, homework on, on Saturday so that way we can rest a little bit more on Sunday, then so be it. Or if that means as a dad, I have to make sure that I get all my chores done around the house so that way I can rest and have family time on Sunday then, I mean, so be it. That's what you have to do. But you, there are small sacrifices you have to make in order to be intentional about being uh, having a leisurely activity. So, Adam, is watching television leisure? Uh, I actually thought you were going to ask that. And it, it depends on what... It, de- it depends, it the depends. answer. The answer, answer is it, it can be. It can be. It can be. Yes. Nice thought. But most, no, of the time, <laughs> yeah. most of the time, it is not. So, when we get back, we're going to jump into uh, friendships. We're here with... Sam Guzman of the Catholic German and Thaddeus of Red Sea Radio here at Seek 2021. We'll be right back.
This segment of The Catholic Man Show is brought to you by The Catholic Woodworker. Go to thecatholicwoodworker.com for heirloom quality home altars, crucifixes, and rosaries. It's also the only place where you can get the official rosary of The Catholic Man Show. Type in promo code TCMS for 10% off all purchases. TCMS for The Catholic Man Show. CatholicWoodworker.com. Okay, anybody want to come up here, ask the guys a Juan, question? Uh, howdy, y'all. My name is Kenneth, and my question up, is... What is y'all's favorite form of leisure? Ooh, that's a great, question, that's a Kenneth. great question. Kenneth, don't, don't walk away yet. Don't walk away, Kenneth. We got we got some swag here for you, man. Take one of those yeah. hats while you're listening. Okay, so my my favorite, like I have actually two. I have one. Uh, my favorite, some form of leisure is having uh, hanging out with these guys. These are my some of my best friends, and so being able to uh, have a nice drink. At, at night by a, hopefully by a, like a fire pit and just have like meaningful real conversation about uh fatherhood about what i'm struggling with what they're struggling with and just the camaraderie that's one of my favorites and then also uh chopping wood chopping wood is like one of my like favorite leisurely activities i who's doc- chopping wood here in college station okay got some wood choppers here Good. There's a guy named uh, Dr. John Cutterback. If you guys have ever heard of Dr. John Cutterback, go check him out. It's like lifecraft.org, I think is what his uh, website is. But uh, he, he made a comment one time, Sam. He said, there are very few, he said, there are very few things in life that can't be resolved by taking your boys out and chopping wood. And I was like, it is I, fun. I dig. Good exercise, I dig. too. It's good exercise. It's, it's a... Sure. Uh, Gives you an opportunity to be in the real and in, in the real world. Chopping wood is my. What's your favorite leisurely activity? Looking at myself in the mirror. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's some real spirit. contemplation. Yeah, yeah some real contemplation. Well, I, I will tell you that there are certain leisure activities that uh, exist in the married life that don't exist in the single life. Those are some of my favorites. Um, uh, it's not. Indeed. Yes. It's like not all that, but uh, just really being with my being with my wife. Um, yes. My favorite part of the day is after the kids go down, and Pamela and I can just rest. Yeah, just talk. Just sit mm-hmm. there on the couch and talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Date absolutely. Yeah, nights at home. Yeah, nights at home. Yeah, I mean, for me, I I agree with Adam. Like hanging out with friends is just one of the most enjoyable things. You know, especially like-minded friends, friends who share your values, and you can have those deep, meaningful conversations with. Or also just hang out, like, you know, no pressure either way. Just just see what happens, you know. And sometimes things will get spontaneously just, like, really deep. And before you know it, we're talking about something, like, really philosophical or something. Or sometimes it's just, you know, goofing off, joking, you know. But just spending time with friends uh, is, is one of the great joys of life, which kind of is a great segue into our next section. But also, I love to read. Like, I'm a bibliophile, and I think reading is something that enriches your soul and also for me at least um is restful and relaxing um and there's been many times when i've just been in a conversation with somebody or something and something i read maybe five ten years ago comes to mind and like so it's it's always like feeding your soul whether or not you realize it in the moment but to me it's just relaxing and enriching um so i like to read um, I like to be outside in nature, take hikes, things like that. Um, so those are probably the top three, hanging out with friends, um, being outdoors, uh, and then uh, reading. Adam, you mentioned chopping firewood. I also, one of my favorite leisure activities really is having a fire. Yeah. 
Good question. Do we have time for one more question before we go to the next segment? Or do you want sure. to go we have for one yeah, more? Sure, yeah, we got more questions. One, I one more chance. Okay, big man on campus here, Spencer Purdy. Hey, guys. Thanks for being here. Yeah. I'm one of the focused missionaries, and I think a conversation that we have in our apostolate a lot is for those of us who do campus ministry who sometimes have to work or be present on Sundays, how do we live the Sabbath well? Is it like having a certain amount of hours where we're Sabbathing, maybe on a different day or during that day? But what are some good pointers that you guys would have, like if we actually do some quote-unquote work on Sundays? Yeah, man, that is a really good, that's, that's a tough thing. Um, I have another friend who works at a, a parish here in town, and Sunday is is one of the days that he is busiest just because that's you know he's got to be there for mass helping with the choir and help you know he's kind of he's the guy at the parish who kind of does everything you know so um I've talked to him about that and it's a real struggle for him I can just tell you that he has taken Monday because he also Saturday he's not so he's just taken a day which is in his case Monday and made sure that he can do get that leisure time time then um, so, you know, that seems to work for him. Uh, and, and I would recommend that. I mean, you have to have a day off, right? Even priests get Monday off, right? So if you got to work on Sunday, maybe you should take that. Um, but just figure, you got to, you got to figure something out and it's just got to work, whatever works for you. I, I wish I could give you a better answer. I would just piggyback and say, just making sure that your Sunday, like you're as prepared as you can be for Sunday, meaning read the readings ahead of time so that way you can be fully engaged in the Mass. In fact, Pieper talks about how the actually ultimate uh, leisurely time is divine worship. So making sure that you are mentally and spiritually like ready to re- be fully there in Mass. Uh, so have the readings read ahead of time. Make sure that you've, you know, you're in the state of grace. Uh, making sure that you're just actively, you know, in prayer um, at mass, I think will will also help. Yeah, and I'm just building off of what you guys said. You know, I think the important again, the lesson of the Sabbath is sanctifying time, setting time aside that can be a window into eternity. You know, we, the church fathers talk about you know, there's the seven days of the week, um, but then the eighth day. What is the eighth day? It's eternity. Um, and what if you set aside even five minutes during the week, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever you have the capacity for, and sanctify that time and set it aside for prayer and contemplation, for worshiping God, giving thanks to Him, Eucharist, you know, giving thanks, that's what the Eucharist is. That can be a holy thing. So, yes, like the guy said, just find the time that works for you, but make sure that wherever that is, whenever that is, that you're setting aside time that can be a window into eternity um, yeah. and, and into the the worship and joy that we will experience there. Right. And it's not also just about resting. It's also about celebrating. So on Sundays, maybe you have a nicer beer than you do on, on Saturday. You know, like maybe you have a your Sunday beer or you've got, you know, like you're going to have a better meal. Uh, you know, just some way that sets Sunday apart from all, you know, there's something about Sunday that you look forward to that's different you know, even if you don't have time to like take a nap in front of the fire like I do, um, that's, you do, yeah, dude, on Sundays. Wow, that's I'm telling awesome. you, man, life's good over at my house. <laughs> but yeah, so that's uh, that's I would try something like that. You know, whatever works in your schedule. It's tough. Let's give it up for Spencer. Thanks, Spencer. Good question, Spencer. All right, on with the show. Yeah, let's roll. What's in that picture, Dave? 
It's just water. Water. We were joking around beforehand, like, you know what? We should have we should have solo cups on the desk. I think the college audience yeah. would appreciate we drinking our our water from a solo cup. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles here with Adam Minahan and our good friend Sam Guzman. We've got Juan Posada over on the buttons. We are Sans, Sans Jimbo Spencer today. We're without the bodyguard. I feel exposed. Hopefully, no one breaks in. Yeah, I mean, someone could just walk right through that door. And we're recording. It's not like we could stop stop them, right? They could just. just it's just, I just don't know what to do. I just don't know what. We'll make it. By God's grace. Jimbo Spencer or Jimbo yeah. Fisher? Spencer. Spencer. Oh, that was well played, Thaddeus. Well played. I just wasn't sure. I mean, I didn't know he had a connection to the man show. That's pretty incredible. <laughs> He's going to like that. He'll like that. Yeah. So, all right. So now we're going to be talking about uh, friendship. Yes. For the next two segments, we'll talk about friendship. Okay. And the importance of it. So... Friendship is one of those things that everybody, I mean, it doesn't matter where you go in every country, if you go up to somebody and ask them, do you have good friends? Almost everybody will say yes. Almost. There are some people like, nah, man, my friends are the worst. But, uh, you know, that's certainly not the uh, not, not going to be the common response. But um, Aristotle, he kind of wrote the book on friendship, and... He actually says in the Nicomachean Ethic um, that most people in the world, in the secular world, don't actually have any authentic friends, um, even though they think they do. And they don't have any because they themselves are not capable of being an authentic friend. Um, so that's something that uh, really caught my attention when I read that. And so he goes on to explain, you know, that without living a virtuous life, without being a virtuous person, you're not capable of being a friend um, because you cannot give what you don't have. So if you don't have virtue, then you can't give that type of charity, that type of, you know, uh, friendship love to somebody else. Correct. Which makes sense, right? Yeah. So he, he describes that there are three types of friendship. Just briefly, there are uh, friendships of pleasure, just someone that you enjoy being around, you know, so you have fun with. Mm -hmm. Friendships of utility. Uh, this would be like a coworker, someone whose friendship is useful to you. Um, and then the authentic friendship. And so he says that we should be striving for the authentic friendship. And that's just one that has the good of the person at the, at the source of it. So friendships of utility and pleasure. I'm a friend with you because of what I get out of it. Right, uh, I find Your our college college student like like a study stu buddy. A study buddy, right? Yeah, like oh, we're hey, let's get together and study. It's not a bad it's not a bad friendship, you know. Right. Th those friendships aren't bad, but they're just not the highest level of friendship. Once the class is over, you probably won't see that person anymore, right? Um, so we should be striving for this authentic friendship to have some of these. You can't be you can't have this level of friendship. It's, it's a big commitment. You can't do it with everybody. So, so, Dave, Dave, how did you react when you told Adam that you know he was your authentic friend, and he told you that you were just a friend of utility? I mean, what was that like to have to go through to go through that initially? I knew it already. That was the thing. I mean, uh, it was scarring for him. That's just why. That's just one of the things that makes me so holy, Thaddeus. Is that 
I just, you know, I just <laughs> willingly, willingly bear the burden for so many people. Yeah. It's really hard. But I knew I, that was the answer that we were going to get, and that's such a great. Thank you for setting such a great example, Dave. You know, how many of your, how many people here in the audience could say, let's say, with like a whoop or a clap, you could say that you have one authentic friend. That's beautiful to hear that nice. many claps and whoops. That's awesome. That's awesome. So tell tell us how can we find more authentic friendships and deepen those authentic friendships, guys. Go. Do you want to go? Yeah, go ahead, Sam. Well, I would say pursue deeper levels of conversation. I mean, a lot of times we keep it at a surface level. You know, hey, man, what's going on in your life this week or whatever. Just something just just very like casual, friendly. That's nothing wrong with that. But try to go a little bit deeper. You know, it's, you know, guys don't, we don't really like to talk about feelings and stuff like that. But at the same time, like if you're really struggling with something, tell your friend. Or if you've really been pondering something like really like wrestling with a philosophical idea or like, you know, it's just something really deep, open up to your friend about it and see what they think and just see where that conversation goes. But as a, one of the themes that I've been pondering myself lately is just the relationship between the words conversation and conversion. They both have the same root word, uh, the Latin conversare, which means to turn about together. It's almost like a form of growth and learning, almost akin to con you know uh, repentance or conversion where you're growing and learning together through the process of conversation a good conversation a holy conversation can be a spiritual event almost sure. where you both come out the other side changed so just go a little deeper with your friends and find out what happens maybe they've been longing to kind of go past the surface level too but they just were worried well no one wants to do that you know let's just keep it superficial let's keep it casual just go a little deeper um, talk about the big the big issues, you yeah. know, if you will. And when you do that, set a rule at the beginning. You no one is allowed to use to use the word coronavirus or COVID nineteen. You cannot talk <laughs> about that. I mean, that's like the one thing that every conversation you've had for the last year that has come up at least one time in every single conversation. It's like so, and you have to make rules sometimes. But you're right about a conversation because when you when you have that. A deep conversation and you know when you do when you have it right both parties leave changed yeah you're not the same person anymore right and don't be afraid of a good argument either i just read the the fellowship it's a great biography of the inklings and these guys love to argue and challenge each other and push each other and be like you know call them out when they saw like a logical inconsistency or something and that just made them so much stronger and better as individuals and help challenge their thinking, clarify it, improve their writing. Like, so just challenge your friends, you know, in a, in a good nature way, not a hostile way, but, mm -hmm. you know, in a, good argument can be a good learning experience as well. And I think sometimes it just comes down to having to decide to commit to being a better friend. Um, you know, you have to, sometimes you have to just say, you know what, these, I'm going to pick out these couple people um, and I'm going to really make a commitment to being a better friend for them. Um, and, you know, incorporating them into more into my life more. That is the, you know, like the main ingredient of friendship is a, a shared life, a life in common. You know, your lives need to overlap. Um, without that, you can't have that. Here's my life for you and your life for me exchange of charity um, mm -hmm. that is really essential. Mm -hmm. Which is why you have to cultivate this holy leisure that we've talked about Right. Uh, you know, earlier is that you have to say, okay, I can only I only have so much bandwidth t 
to exert like the amount of energy towards another person. You know, I can I, I can't be a, a best friend to everybody, but I can be a best friend uh, in the authentic friendship way to a handful of people. So how do I do right. that? I'm intentional about it, like Thaddeus we were talking about right before the break. You be intentional about it. You set aside a, a day where you say, okay, I'm going to invite them over. I'm going to be hospitable towards them. I'm going to and, and I'm going to cultivate this atmosphere to that will give good, meaningful conversation to where we can actually be friends towards one another. Right. Yeah, and re- and if you say, well, I don't have any friends, well, reach out. Like some of my best friends uh, in life are those who I just was like, I want to get to know that person. I just walked up to them like hey would you and your family want to come over to our family's house and have dinner with us Mm -hmm. Uh, just like kind of out of the blue and they're just like sure and people are hungry for connection and it's something that's kind of deteriorated in our culture but people want that so reach out if you see somebody on the college campus you want to get to know just go ask them like hey man well sam we're we're a perfect example of that when you moved to tulsa uh, we were like, "Hey, Sam, come hang. You know, yep. come. We have a Saturday or a a uh, Friday morning group, men's group that we meet every Friday morning yep. uh, at IHOP. We have been doing it for eight, ten years, something Long like time. that. And when we found out that Sam was was moving to Tulsa, we said, "Hey, Sam, come hang out with us. Come come be in our men's group. And we brought you know we we brought you in. And what'd you do immediately? You invited us right back over to your house. That's right. You know, yeah. and, and you reciprocated that. And so it would it just gave us a good foundation of of, of friendship." Yeah. And if you're looking for things that can be, you know, because some people say, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to meet friends or I don't know. You know, some people just maybe they're maybe you're drastically crushingly introverted or something. Right. I don't know. Anything. Like Juan. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. No. (laughs) But anything that can be done in moderation can can be done together. Okay, so uh, whether it's drinking or uh, smoking a pipe, uh, if you like that, or eating food, or like, think about the things that require moderation in your own appetites of whatever they be. Do those things in moderation together with somebody else, and you have a human experience where you're both exercising virtue at the same time, and those, in my experience, those types of things tend to naturally elevate the experience for both of you together, because you need to start building things in common and uh, those that's how you start. So what is it that you like to do uh, and do that with somebody else? What do you think? What do you think, Thaddeus? Yeah, hey, I was going to jump in with the, to go back to Aristotle. I think he said that friendship is based on uh, you know two, two people who have uh, shared loves, mm-hmm. right? And so the, the more, uh, the more that those shared loves are about eternal things or the higher things or the greatest goods in life, um, the greatest of all being God, then the, the higher and more authentic that that friendship is going to be. So, so true for just about everybody. Um, and still having some good conversation, you don't have to, it doesn't have to be about transubstantiation or, um, you know, why or about papal infallibility or something, but uh, I, I can just tell you, like, my some of my coworkers, they all know that I'm Catholic, and we still end up talking about it a lot. I don't, you know, I'm not trying to convert them, um, but we also talk about guns and whiskey and cigars and, you know, all these other things. So um, we have this basis of friendship. So when those other things do come, when the religion part does come up, they respect respect me for it and I, trust. Yeah, I get I get I think it holds more weight 
Um, yeah, I think I, so. Is that your question? I want to make sure I'm answering the right question. Just how to how to develop deeper relationships with your friends who aren't Catholic. Is that right? Yes, sir. Okay, so uh, if I was Aristotle, I would tell you that's uh, problematic because um, he would say that you actually can't attain this authentic level of friendship at the highest degree with that person um, because they don't, and it's it's not because they don't want what's good for you, but they don't know what is good for you, okay? So ultimately, Christ is the highest good for you. That is what your friend should desire for you uh, at the highest level, right? So if you have a friend who's an atheist, they're not going to desire that for you because they don't know that that's what they should be desiring for you. So they're just not going to be capable of bringing you to Christ. And so that relationship is just never going to be as authentic as a, as another one with a Catholic brother or sister. Uh, I just have two things I want to just jump in and add real quick. Um, two things. One, how can you make the Catholic faith attractive? I mean, are you living it fully and completely yourself? Because if you are, it's going to be impossible for that to not come up in your conversations. Right, right. Like, hey, man, I, I, you want to hang out? Oh, sorry, I can't. It's a holy day of obligation. Like, what the heck is that? Like, And then it gives you an opportunity to share with you know joy and enthusiasm the fact that we worship together as Catholics through the liturgical year, and there's certain things like that that are significant to us. It's a great opportunity for evangelization. But also, not not in the sense that you have to convince them to believe the same thing, but just say, this is an important part of my life. Right. Um, and people will be naturally curious, at least in my experience. Whenever you say certain things about living the Catholic faith, people are curious. Um, and so I think that's a really, like, make the faith attractive, like— but also people like when you say I'm Catholic, if they're a Protestant, they'll often think, oh, that means he doesn't know anything. Like now we have an opportunity to convert him. You know, it's just like, say, like be knowledgeable about your faith. And I think they'll naturally yeah. be impressed by that. Like, wait, you actually you're Catholic and you actually love Jesus. That blows my mind. Like, like just and like <laughs> you have an answer for their most common questions and things like that. Um, you know, St. Paul encouraged us to be ready with an answer. Uh, to give an answer to those um, who challenge us on our faith. So just be prepared, be knowledgeable, and let your love of Christ shine through. Because a lot of people hear the words, you're Catholic, and they think lukewarm, cold, ignorant, you know, don't love Christ. Apathetic. Um, yeah, apathetic. Uh, so many misconceptions. So just blow their mind with your enthusiasm and your joy and your love of Christ. And and I think they'll, they'll be naturally converted by that, or not converted, but impressed by that. Yeah. At least a little bit. Yeah, it'll open doors. <laughs> Do you feel like God is calling you to go on a pilgrimage? Well, for the last 34 years, Select International Tours has been leading pilgrimages to holy sites all over the world. And you want when you go on pilgrimages, Dave, you want to make sure you have the great, the best hotels, you're touring with the best guides, and every detail has been addressed. And that's exactly what you're getting with Select International Tours. So... For more information, go to their brand new website, selectinternationaltours.com. They have been a sponsor of the Catholic Man Show for a long time now. Even during the COVID pandemic, they were still sponsoring our show. A lot of other tour companies were really shutting down. These guys were consistent. So go to selectinternationaltours.com to find out more information about all the great pilgrimages they offer all over the world. Are we got time for one more? Yeah, cool. Sure. Right, come on. Step on up. 
Hello, my What's name up, is man? Anthony. I'm doing well. How are y'all doing? Good. 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 All right. So I have a question. How do you help a friend who has lost their way when uh, sheer direction doesn't work? So you've given them lots of advice and it doesn't work. How do you kind of guide them back? Great. Man, yeah, that's, that's really that, that's really tough. Um, and those can be really painful, painful situations to go through in when you have this friend, someone you care about, and you're watching them self-destruct, you know, and you tell them, you shouldn't do this. And they, they say, I know I shouldn't do it, but then they do it anyway, you know. Um, there's only so much you can do to guide another person. Um, you cannot make choices for other people. That's just, that's just, at the end of the day, you can make your own choices. Other people are gonna make their own choices. Um, you know, and so in a friendship, maybe maybe all you can do is just stay by their side and, you know, tell them again, like, yeah, I know you're a total idiot. Remember we talked about that? It's like the thing we talk about a lot, how dumb you are. <laughs> it's okay. I still love you. You know, um, I, I don't know. Maybe that's all you can do. Um, be there to pick them up. Uh, yeah, that's that's that would be my suggestion yeah. is, is like build that trust by when you see them down, when you know that they're having a bad day go through the extra effort of sending them a text or giving them a call, uh, asking them if they want to go grab a coffee or, you know, something like that, or like drop off a meal to them or something like that. I find out, I find that some of the smallest things that I do, like that, these little hints, my, my grandma is phenomenal at this. Like when she just gets this little hint, this little like Holy Spirit, like push, she stops what she does, she's doing and does this thing. Whether it be like, hey, we should be praying for my dad right now. Okay, let's start praying. You know, she just stops what she's doing and prays. So a lot of times I get these like little Holy Spirit moments of like, I should reach out to that person. And a lot of times I get busy and I stop. I, I don't ever reach out to them. Or I should I yeah. should give them a call and I don't ever do it. Um, but I think that if we're more in tune to, to that, uh, you know, push that God is calling us to and reach out to people and, and, and build that trust, that relationship up with them when they are going through these hard times, when, when they do hit... Uh, a tough road they they know that you were there for them when they weren't when, when they were tough and so they'll they'll reach out to you and that'll be an opportunity for you yeah the if the pain that you're describing christ is familiar with i was just right reading in the gospels recently in matthew where jesus is standing over jerusalem and he's he's weeping over jerusalem and he says you know i would have gathered you you know to myself but you wouldn't you wouldn't have me um, and it's the same pain that parents go through a lot of times. Um, you know, I've got I've got four kids with a fifth on the way. You know, and you see things in your kids that grieve you, but you feel powerless to change them from the outside. Um, and you know, even the prodigal son, the parable of the prodigal son, that father was probably in deep pain as he watched his son go out and self destruct. And you can feel the same pain with your friends, but ultimately, like. Yes, like the, the guys were saying, like that radical love, that radical availability that waits and prays. Don't underestimate the power of prayer. Right. Um, and sometimes the only way some people can learn is through experience. The son and the prodigal son, he could have heard all the right advice. The only way he could learn was the hard way. So some people are just going to go their own way, but we have to respect their freedom, their free will, but pray for them because God can change their heart from the inside out. Yeah. I also get some of those Holy Spirit nudges. Sometimes, like you were talking about, but usually mine are like, I should eat more M and M's, and so I do. That may not be the Holy Spirit, David. I think the Holy Spirit wants me to have cookies. 
Yeah, but uh, so hopefully that. I hope helps. I hope that helps. I mean, it's there's there's nothing you it's, can. It's tough. Man. There's nothing you can do about it. Sometimes that's the hard reality. Except pray. Yeah, pray. And fast. And fast. Ooh, yeah, pray fast. and fast. Fasting for them is also a really good one. That's something that. Uh, so we just went to Clear Creek Abbey, which is a monastery not too far away, and one of the monks gave a gave a talk, and he said, "Gentlemen, if you want uh, you want your family to be holy, we're like yes." And he's like, "Fast for them once a week, and then come back to me and tell me in a year that 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 your your family life isn't better." Yeah. And so uh, if you're if you truly love them, you know, pray and then fast for them. Yeah. One time, uh, I had a friend who told me that he hadn't been to confession in years because he had this, like, he would get this weird buzzing in his ears every time he would go to confession. And I told him, like, that's crap. And I, I literally told him, I will not eat food again until you go to confession. Like, if I die, it will be your fault. Like, the old hunger strike. Yeah, yeah. I, and I told him, I am not, no food will touch my mouth until you go to confession. So you better tell me as soon as you do, because I'm gonna be hungry. <laughs> and it worked. The next, I think it was the next day. Uh, the next day, luckily, luckily, didn't six, test me six too days far. later. <laughs> Dave was in the hospital, but uh, he did go. He did. No. Yeah, but it worked, you know. So, all right. Got it. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. All right, let's give a round of applause for our two question askers, our two questioners. On with the show, right, fellas? Yeah, let's do it. Three. Okay, let's three. do it. Is this number three? Yeah, this is three. Yeah. Third segment. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show here at Seek 2021 College ta- uh, College Station. Woo! Gigum. That's where uh, you know B- Bishop David Carnola was. Uh, yeah. Was uh, yeah, our bishop? He's from. He's from there. Yeah. yeah he, he was the he's pastor awesome. at St. Mary's Catholic Center, where most of these students uh, go to mass on Sunday. And so you guys know how good we got it, right? Shout out to Bishop David. Boy, if you guys didn't say anything, we were going to have to post that and put something in because that would have been okay. embarrassing. Yeah, that was, You've got a cheer track, right? Yeah, yeah, we got a cheer track we'll have to throw no, in there. We'd have to find one at least. Yeah. 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 Okay, so we're still talking about we're talking about friendship still. Yes. Um and friendship is one of those things in life you have to get right. You have to you have to try to get it right anyway. Um because it it serves a crucial crucial role in the spiritual life. You know, you can ask yourself, why is it that we're made the way that we are? Why did God make us with this need for communion with other people, right? We have this. You just look at Adam in the garden. You know, he needed Eve. He needed a holy friendship. We're made for communion. He could have made us so otherwise. He could have made us so that we didn't have this deep need to be with other people, mm-hmm. but he didn't. Um and ultimately, I believe the reason is that earthly friendship prepares us for heavenly friendship, that we have to get earthly friendship right so that we can get divine friendship right, that we can perfect more and more that friendship with God. That, so earthly friendship is a way of preparing us for heaven. So it's, it's crucial that we get it right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's why, yeah, 
who did who said that? I think uh, when we had Dr. John Cutterback on, he was talking about how 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 it is friendship is literally prepares us for the divine friendship in heaven. Yeah, yeah, so. and so when you see passages in the gospel where Jesus is looking at his disciples oh, yeah. and telling them, "I no longer call you uh, servants, servants, but friends." But friends. Okay, that. That line, I think, certainly the profundity of it went right over my head for most of my adult life. Uh, when you realize what is friendship, especially this authentic level of friendship, it's my entire life. I'm gi- I give you everything that I have, okay? Mm-hmm. And so that's one thing when you know uh, someone says that to you, you have this great friend and they give you everything. That's awesome. But when the God-man says it to you, it's a totally different thing, okay? So when Christ is saying, I call you friends, he's saying, I'm giving you everything that I have. I'm giving you my whole self, right? Um, and of course, he invites us into that friendship at every Mass. Um, and, and, but so that's, that's why we have to get it right. That's why it's an important topic, because if we're doing it wrong, then it has literally eternal consequences, right? Yeah, I mean that that's what they say the the saying Thaddeus is that you're kind of the the average of the five people that's closest around you and so if you if those five people aren't holy men or women then they're going to reflect you know they you're going to rub off on them or they're going to rub off on you. A great example of that is St Augustine, right? If you read the the confessions when he was young, he went and stole a pair not for the sake of he was hungry, not not because he uh, you know, was trying to feed somebody, but for the the sheer fact that his friends were doing it, and so he wanted to do it too, like just for the the pure evilness of stealing this right. pair. And then you then you go thirty years later, and you see Augustine with Saint Ambrose, and what's you know he realizes I have to change my life. Saint Ambrose is there for him, and he has to put prayer and and make sure to have strong friends around him to change it. So, I mean, there's. There's so many ways that you you can fall into having bad friends uh, and not realizing it until you have these moments of uh, conversion yourself. Right. Um, and that's when it's so important to have, you know, uh, these people around you. Right. Yeah. I mean, it is a little bit cliche that whole, you know, you're the average of the five people closest people to you, but it's just true. Um, I mean, yeah. I I get to, you know, when I got married, I act more like my wife now than I did before we were married, and she acts more like me. I mean, her jokes have really gone way downhill. She used to she be... She used to be really, really right, funny. She used to be so funny, and now she's just not. And I, it's like, that's my fault, okay? I, guys, it's on me. I get it. Right. Um, but, like, just an example from my own life. Um, you know, I was raised in a good Catholic home. I went to went to Holy Mass every Sunday my entire life, except for one uh, where a buddy of mine was on my downhill go-kart and, like, broke his leg like bad. It was bad and so i stayed home. it was on a sunday morning and it's like i stayed home while he was sitting anyway there was, a, was one tragic moment okay that caused me not to go to mass on one sunday in my life um so i get to college here i am i'm a freshman in college the first sunday i went to mass okay i was proud of myself made this decision all by myself but my roommate didn't he was also he was also catholic he didn't go to mass and i remember that pressuring me he wasn't pressuring me i want to make that clear he wasn't saying oh you know you're going to mass that's dumb he, he didn't do any of that he just didn't go so the second week the second sunday i was in college yeah. i didn't go um 
and 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 I felt bad on that first Sunday when I didn't go to college, when I didn't go to mass. The very next Sunday when I didn't go, didn't feel bad at all. It, it was like that. It, it was so quick to abandon this lifelong habit that I had been raised with, right? Um, so fast forward then, uh, and you know, Adam, I think you, you had a similar experience mm-hmm. in college. Then we started, we lived together after college, and then we started going back to mass together. And the fact that we were you know, both made that decision was something that really solidified that and helped me make that a habit again. You know, so in both of those situations, I had a friendship that was influencing my own behavior. Just to be clear, my choices were my choices. I chose not to go to mass. I don't at all blame anybody else other than myself Mm -hmm. for that choice, right? But we have to be just aware that these, you know, friendships have a very powerful effect on the the choices that we make. Um, and so we need to be very careful. I mean, I just look back at my own college experience. I shouldn't have been, I should not have been friends with a lot of the people that I was friends with. You know, I was just, just spending time with them was a bad choice. Yeah. I, I think it's an important point that, you know, as Americans, um, you know, Texas, Oklahoma, this is cowboy country, right? We have this very individualistic mindset. We stand or or fall alone. We're, we're pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. We're very individualistic just because of the history of America and just the way that America was uh, founded. And, you know, we just, we're very much about our own individuality. Right. But if you really, like, look at our experience, it, life is relationships. Life is communion. Mm-hmm. Life is an ebb and flow, a sharing between. And like you're saying, if what you're communing with is sinful and harmful, it's going to affect your soul. It's going to, it's inevitable. Mm-hmm. Um, and likewise, though, if who you're communing with is holy, you're going to grow. You're going to be elevated by that relationship. But relationships, communion is inevitable, ultimately. Right. Um, and that's the nature of how God designed it. So, Adam, what the counter-argument to someone, I can... I can picture someone saying, well, so you're just, you've got these friends, so you're just going to abandon them? Like, what about, what about them? Who's going to help them be a better, if you're just going to leave? Right, who's going to be, who's going to be there for them? Right, yeah. No, and Are you just supposed to abandon them then? No, because, I mean, as baptized Catholics, we're called to evangelize, you know, Jesus said, go and baptize all nations in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. So it's not that we're abandoning them. We're not going to try, we're not just like bailing on them, so to speak, but if you understand, like my called, you know, my call to holy, I'm called to holiness, and I have to. You know, if you're sin, friends, do not let other friends sin. You know, so Correct. if if uh, they're leading you to sin or they're allowing you to sin, maybe they they don't care about you as much as what you think they do. Right, or they do. Like again, they don't know what the good is to be pursued. Right. Yeah. So I mean, that's the thing is that well, you don't necessarily abandon the person, but if being with those people, you know, if the things that you do together with mm-hmm. them tend to you know be things like that drawing you to the near occasion of sin or sin itself then yes you abandon them because you need to abandon the sin if there's a way to abandon the sin and you know still maintain a relationship with them that's great that's right. what you should do that's a strive for right but um it is it is better to seek an, a new friend who is going to be an authentic friend and simultaneously remove sin from your life right so we can't be sinning. That's like the bottom line. Don't be sinning 
if your friends, <laughs> you know, like if your friend or if your friends are causing you to sin, cut them off, right? Yeah. Uh, I think I think that's how it goes, right? Um, but it's just something that I didn't examine very well when I was uh, mm-hmm. when I was in college or high school, or you, you know, it, it wasn't until after college, several years, that I finally kind of like pulled my head out of the clouds and said, "Hey, I am not ordering my life." Towards the highest goods, yeah, and it's like this. And other uh, aspect of looking at this is is the necessity of boundaries in relationships. We kind of associate this notion that loving someone means letting them do, say, or whatever, whatever they want to do yeah, to right. you. They can influence you without limit. Well, no, like you can still love someone and still place boundaries on the relationship. Um, hey man, I'll hang out with you, but we're not going to do X, Y, or Z, right? Um, or whatever. It, you can place those healthy boundaries in relationships, and what you'll find is it totally changes the dynamic of the relationship yeah. in a positive direction when you have boundaries. And this is this goes for you know dating relationships just as much or any relationship in your life. Boundaries are essential to healthy relationships. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, kind of along those lines, I was going to ask a question: Is it is it a distinction without a That distinction, or is that a distinction without a difference? Okay, so we'll, yeah, we'll L- let's pick this up uh, between the breaks uh, on the break because I'm we, we you were cutting out there. So hang on just a second. We'll be right back. This is the Catholic Man Show. We're on the Lord's team, the winning side. So raise your glass of water. Of, it's nice and cold. Yeah, so, that so, is. Sorry, we're not sure is. what you said because you kind of cut out on us. We started to get the beginning, and then the, when the background music got loud. Sorry. Uh, before go. I do that, hey, the next the keynote is going to start at 2:45. Y'all are welcome to leave to go to do that, or you can stay for this last segment of the man show and then go in late to the um, the keynote. I, Spencer said it's up to you to make that that decision. Thank you all for being here today. We, we will judge show. you. We will judge you. Yeah, and, and if we said we will, Thaddeus, if we, uh, you know, the last segment's only twelve minutes, so if we do a quick turnaround here, we can actually wrap it up beforehand. So I'd hate for okay. people to have to miss anything. I think maybe let's let's do that and uh, get in that last segment. Cool for uh, for the Sikh attendees. Okay. Yep. Okay. Let's roll. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles here with Adam Minahan, joined by our friend Sam Guzman. We are now we're talking about seeking a holy spouse. Um, this is the biggest decision you'll ever make in your life is who you marry. Um, I'll tell you, like I nailed it personally, so I'm the I guy. Too. Like I'm the guy to give you advice because I did it. <laughs> I did it so well. Huh. I, think, I think I'd say I probably nailed it more than than you did. So I'm oh, probably well. Actually, you know, it's not a. Co- I didn't realize it's a competition here, Thaddeus. But I'd be willing. <laughs> be, <laughs> be willing to participate. <laughs> you have you have your we your wife meet my wife and uh, we'll uh, see who's you know like see what they virtuous say. or something. Right? I don't know how we're gonna measure this, but uh, <laughs> it would be quite the event. Yeah. Um, so, uh, seeking, seeking a spouse is 
the one of the most difficult things when you're when you're doing it. I, after I got married, I remember looking back on dating and and seeing like, be so dating was so easy. You know, I could like if I knew what I knew now, if I could go back, you know, like man, it would be a breeze and it would be it would be fun and all these kinds of things. But um, you just I, I'm a slow learner, I suppose. Um, but it's okay because it worked out. So, uh, Adam, how is like. Friends, Dave, did you date a lot of girls that really you shouldn't have? Was it kind of a similar sort of dynamic? <laughs> yeah. Well, there was definitely some of that. <laughs> uh, I tended to stay in relationships too long. I was, you know. But they had they have your CDs in their car. Right, yeah. It just wasn't good. It was not good. Some of it was bad, yeah. But um, it, I'm, I'm thankful for every minute of it because it got me to where I am today, right? So um, praise God for that. Adam, I would like to ask you, how is the spousal friendship similar and different from authentic friendship with those who are not your spouse? Okay, well, there's there's certain things that you do with your spouse that you don't do with other friends. Sure. Uh, we'll get that, we'll, we'll, we'll take that and put right. that like, to I don't the side. Do, I don't do your dishes. Really? No, you do not. Yeah, exactly. Same. Yeah. Uh, some of the similar things, though, is that uh, uh, you, you, prayer and fasting is still there. You know, for guys out there and gals out there that, that are not married, go to e5men.org. Uh, and even if you're not married, you're fasting and praying with a bunch of other people in communion with them on the same day of the month for your future spouse. Mm-hmm. You know, for, for, or for your spouse or if you're married. Spouse, or yeah. for, for your spouse if you're married. So prayer, is, uh, prayer and fasting are, are things that you can still do, obviously, with um, in authentic friendships and in in marriages mm-hmm. um and then i think i kind of already said some of the differences so it was interesting Arist- when aristotle was writing about matri- about uh, spouses he actually said and i think he's as christians we can say that he was incorrect about this but he said that spouses could not be friends uh, because at well, the time yeah. well at the time when, when he's writing men and women uh occupied different social statuses and so, it is. It, you can only be friends. He was saying with someone who's at like the same level as you. Authentic friendship, because if it's less than that, then there's going to be this sense of benevolence or something. Is like it's not a uh, re- giving and receiving on equal portions. You know, You're like oh, if I'm friends with, uh, you know, like someone who's way better than me, just you know, like a cardinal or you know, then people are going to say, and it would be correct that well, he's friends with you because he's nice. You know, like, <laughs> I doubt he's, you know, receiving the same life-giving graces from you that you're receiving from him. And that would probably be true, right? So Aristotle so was, was a chauvinist pig. Well, you know, that's one way to, an- to analyze what he's saying. Um, but it was really Christianity that came along and, uh, you know, brought to the main, brought to the, like, cultural norm women and men are of equal dignity you know it wasn't until christianity came that i mean before it that wasn't a thing right so we can now look at the spousal relationship so much differently from what all other uh, philosophers and cultures did prior Um, and so you know that's why it's so important that i mean we we elevated it to a a a sacrament Mm -hmm. right and so um that shows the importance of it. You know, you've got baptism and all these other great sacraments, and marriage is one of them. So, 
uh, it, it's your vocation, right? So the spousal the spousal friendship is obviously when you are married is going to be the primary relationship in your life, earthly relationship. Obviously, Christ is always the first, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you're looking for a spouse, Sam, what should you be looking for? I would say first and foremost, just fundamental shared values. I think there's a lot of wiggle room for different personality types, um, different interests, things like that. But when it comes to the non-negotiables, we have to determine what those are, first of all. Mm-hmm. But once we've determined those, like they have to be in common or there's going to be a fundamental crack in the foundation of your relationship from day one. Right. So, for example, w- w- raising your children or right. even having yeah, when, children. When children throw yeah. it, make it way more complicated. Yeah. I mean, she says, I just want to have a dog. I don't want to have kids. Like, okay, there's, there's probably a red flag there for a Catholic man who wants to be a husband and father someday. Mm-hmm. Like... um, Another, you know, non-negotiable, you know, how are we going to raise our kids, you know, in the faith? Um, now, I admit that there's some great marriages that started off where they weren't Catholic at all. They had no conception of faith or morals or virtue or any of these things. And then they discovered them together along the way and they, they grew together in that journey. So I'm not saying this is like the way, but if you're already a committed Catholic, you already know what's important to you, look for those same values in your spouse. Um and you know where you want to live the city or the country you know different things like it's just those things aren't as important but like how you want to raise your kids your faith like you know your morality like those things are all things that you have to have in common or your marriage is just going to suffer from day one like it's just yeah. going to be mm-hmm. a battle and don't marry somebody with the intention of converting them terrible idea it's yeah. a, probably a bad idea actually a common idea though yeah. i think like yeah so adam mm-hmm. should do you recommend for a, a Catholic to date someone who's not Catholic? See, you all... I'll uh, answer the question. I mean, <clears throat> you and I don't agree on this. Oh, really? So, yeah, because I think that it's okay to, to date somebody. I think that there is... A, I think like, it's okay. I just don't recommend it. I think that, the, that you have to... Like like what Sam was saying, you, the foundational issues on this are uh, something you have to definitely talk about because then when, when you get kids involved and things like that, that makes it a lot... A lot more difficult. Right. Yeah. See, the, so the way I look at it is the same thing as having an authentic friendship. You know, so you can't have an authentic friendship with mm-hmm. an atheist because they don't know what the good is to pursue. They can't mm-hmm. They can't direct you in the, in the right way. And so if we're talking about that with a friendship, how much more important is that for a spouse? You know, if you're dating someone or choosing to, I mean, because in the beginning when you're you know, it's not like, oh, we've already, we're engaged, and now I'm hearing this advice. You know, it's like, I'm not saying break off your engagement, but when, in the, in the step one, uh, you know, are you going to choose to date somebody who's not Catholic? It's very easy just to say no in the, in that beginning, because you now you're expecting them, like, oh, I want you to, you're kind of ultimately driving towards the, I expect you or I want you to convert so that we can, you know, we mm-hmm. can get married. Yeah, the only the only I, I'm kind of with Adam with on this one with one important caveat: how open are they to the faith? Like, sure. if there's that hostility there, they can't stand Catholicism or even religion in general. Okay, that's probably that's, a problem. That's, a, that's issue. Sure. If they're a committed Protestant, you know, who's curious about the faith, that wants to learn more about it, tell me about you know, like 
there's a difference there that I think is worth noting. Right. Um, so I would say it depends. Yeah. But, so, you know, in that situation, I think it's helpful to distinguish between dating and courting. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, dating is kind of a confusing word. You know, if, if you're spending time with, an, with a member of the opposite sex, you know, and you're developing a friendship, are you dating? It's like, I don't know. It's hard to say. So there's nothing wrong with getting to know, getting, you know, getting to know a woman better or a, a gentleman better who's, you know, someone like that who's maybe open-minded to the Catholic faith, you know, and as you develop that relationship, just as, you know, strictly on a friendship level, which mm-hmm. is, you know, what you should be doing anyway in the beginning, does it look, you know, do they on their own accord make that move to say like, you know, I'd be interested more in the Catholic faith. You know, at that point, that becomes more of a an open door, I, I think, for pursuing we're pursuing seeking a holy spouse mm-hmm. I, I just don't think it makes sense to seek a spouse who is not catholic um from like you know if that's you're making a decision in the beginning uh say like well i'm if i'm going to date someone i'm going to date someone who's catholic right because i want uh someone who's going to be able to be that spouse be the spouse i need them to be because let's be honest we're broken and we actually need our spouses to help get us to heaven. Right. That's um, the vocation. That's what the vocation right. is I mean, called that's, for. That's what it is. And so if we're, you know, uh, uniting ourselves to somebody who doesn't even, who, who refuses to look at the map, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, then I just think that's a bad idea. I'm not saying that you won't get to heaven. I'm not saying that, you know, you won't have a happy marriage, that, that you still won't, that life won't still be, won't still be beautiful and great. That's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying in the beginning, when you're making these choices early on, to me it's prudent to say, I'm going to date someone who's Catholic as opposed to not. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That is, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think y'all covered a lot of my thoughts. Um, I, I was going to say, I think it's important to look at the talos of, of marriage, and David covered that, that the, the purpose of marriage is to get the get your spouse to heaven and also to procreate and uh you know be open to life yep yeah yeah when alive create uh, procreate the species and so naturally someone who is a catholic is going to hopefully be on the same page or be open to being on the same page of the truth of what the end of marriage is of what the purpose of marriage is and you're going to both um work together in a in a beautiful synergy to help mm-hmm. get the children to get yourself your spouse to heaven and then importantly because children are fundamental to marriage raising the children in the faith is going to make raising them in general much much better no they're doubt. going to be yeah. people yeah. uh the, the the practical effort of it is going to be better and let's say easier in a, in a sense certainly uh, and so you want to have you want to have your spouse who's on the same page with you about that and you're both raising them to those same fundamental values and so i think yeah i think it's let's be honest when you're when you're dating i mean you want to you want to put yourself in the best position to find a good spouse and to have a happy marriage and so i think you're putting yourself in a better position when you when you choose to date 
someone who's Catholic. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's this is my own opinion, but I think dating someone who's not Catholic should be the rare exception and not uh, not the rules. It shouldn't be something we're striving for. Um, and, and I understand that other people are going to disagree with me on that, but that's, you know, I, I agree with exactly what you said, Thaddeus, that uh, as Thank a Catholic, you, we should be... <laughs> yes, you're welcome. <laughs> we should hang out. We should hang out more often. Uh, you know, like that- just ordering what we're doing, ordering our life towards the truth and reality and the end goal, you know, th- beginning with the end in mind. Anyway. Yeah. One last thought, though. You mentioned courtship. I mean, it's kind of a old-fashioned, old-timey word, but yeah. at the same time, I think the principle applies. If you're going to date somebody, date to marry, or right. date with the intention of discerning, is this person's spouse material or not? And then move yes. towards that with intentionality. Right. Yeah, dating right. is not about having fun. It's right. about pursuing marriage. And I think a lot of people just use it as like an outlet for their need for emotional intimacy or even physical intimacy, sadly, right. sometimes. But like, just date to marry. Just set that intention. Like, I'm not going to waste time just goofing off and all this. I'm I'm looking for a spouse. Right. And I'm going to go after like, that. Yeah. You know? Kind of like recognizing that that dating is not supposed to be leisure, but the person whom you are dating, you can pursue leisure activities together. But dating exactly. is not supposed yeah. to be a leisure activity. Yeah, well right? said. Well said. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Dave. I'll send you that $20 over Venmo. <laughs> Sweet. All right, guys. Hey, hey is there I, any other questions? Or yeah, yeah. We. I mean, I've got time for a question. If, if anyone want to come down to ask for a question. question. Dave uh, loves to dispense answers. Awesome. Go ahead and introduce yourself and ask the gentleman a question. All right, howdy. I'm Sarah Gallagher. Hi, I'm a sophomore here at Texas A&M University, and as as a young lady who has listened to a couple of your podcast episodes and love what y'all talk about, love what you do, all things to your older brother, um, what advice do you have for single Catholic young ladies who are pursuing the vocation of marriage? Like, what made your wives stand out from all the other women who? walking to your life like help please <laughs> what i mean what stood out with my wife is, is i mean one obviously she's beautiful but also just her motherly instinct like her her desire to 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 nurture and to her desire to want to help other people and keeping other people in mind before herself she's she's constantly thinking about how do i help somebody else before ever helping herself and that was super attractive to me that's what um really obviously her physical attraction but but then uh, but once i got to know her her motherly instincts that she had her authentic womanhood um uh really stood out yeah um i will tell you that there was a lot of when i started dating lady pamela um the everything about our relationship was so much better than everything else um it was the first relationship i had always pursued uh chastity and relationships um unsuccessfully until she and I started dating. Finally, I dated someone who was on the same page with me. Like we both, you know, everything, our values were together. I mean, it just, it was just so much better. Um, And it wasn't until I dated her that I realized and finally learned what intimacy really was. I mean, um, just sitting there in a a deep conversation was drastically more more intimate, but that's not what your question is. Um, 
I will tell you, here's something you should avoid. Under no circumstances should you ever marry a man who cannot fast. If you if if a gentleman cannot fast, then he is not worthy or ready to be married. If he cannot deny himself the simple his, his simple appetites for food, then he is he's not he's not good enough for you. So, um cuz he won't put it, he'll right. put himself first. I mean, and that's the thing. It's the sacrificial love, right? It's right. you know, change out the I love you with I will sacrifice for you. And see what that, how how that affects your relationship with the person. Yeah, it's I look the ladies. I feel terribly for because um, I just look at the Catholic young adults here in Tulsa, and it's packed full of all of these el- eligible young ladies. Mm-hmm. I've told told guys before, like, look, if you want a date, I can ha- give you three choices for tonight. You know, like, uh, yeah. and it's. Man up, I guys. I don't know what's yeah. come out. Like, I don't know what the deal is. You know, it's like there's a bunch of guys. Holy, like, like, what are you super holy women what, out there? Like, what are you doing? Yeah. I, so I feel I feel terribly, but uh, God, you know, trust in the Lord. He will. Yeah, but he be will deliver you. Receptive. Oh, I would tell you. Okay, yeah. One. Uh, so the the moment that I like. I, I don't, I've never swooned in my life, right? It's not something men do. But um, I almost did one time. <laughs> I was so close. <laughs> I was really close. <laughs> but the grace of God, I, pull, I pulled up. <laughs> um, so I was dating Pamela, and she was telling me her life motto uh, that she just had adopted for just, you know, her life. And that was just receive. You know, that she was trying to be like Mary and just receive. And when she said that, I was like, oh, woman. <laughs> you were gonna get married so bad. Oh, <laughs> and I was right. I, you know. And then, then you married her, right? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, for me and my wife, when I met her, it was uh, we actually met online. But that's a, that's another story. Uh, we weren't Catholic at the time, but what attracted me to her was first of all, she did want to have kids. She wanted to be a mother, and she said, "I want six kids." I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> that's awesome." Um, cause I wanted a big family too. Uh-huh. Um, and that's pretty hard to find someone who wants to do that, but also yeah. her strength. Like she just, she's been through a lot. She's, she's a strong woman. Like, mm-hmm. and she's just, she's super practical, super like she, I was a mess at the time, like just chaotic, you know, and just disorganized, forgetting everything. I was like, man, I, I like admire her, like practical know-how, but also just, just again, that inner like strength that she had as a woman. And it doesn't have to be contrary to this notion of femininity. Like women don't have to be fainting all over the place. Like that's not like women can be strong too in a feminine way. And my wife is. And so I was drawn to that. And, um, and uh, yeah, my wife's, my wife's awesome. Um, She's very joyful. We're not going to start the contest over again, but my right. wife's better. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I didn't realize we were. Let's just put it out. Realize there. We were doing that. We were silly time. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> did that right, help thank, you at all? I, that pro- I hope you, it did. Thank you. Yeah, grab a hat. One one last question. Time for one more question. Sure. Sure. All right. Here we go. Introduce yourself. Hey guys, I'm Brandon, uh, senior here at AM. Um, just wanted to ask y'all, how did y'all pursue y'all's wives uh, in a holy fashion? Go ahead. Uh, we started praying. We started praying together. Um, and that was huge for us, like foundationally, because prayer is, is so intimate. Um, and so, and you get to know the person very well because you find out what they're really struggling with, what they're needing your help with. 
um, and vice versa. You become very vulnerable in, in prayer, you know, when you're struggling with, I'm struggling with this and I need your help in prayer. Uh, it also built the foundation for us to have a, a, a regimented prayer life as a couple, as a, a husband and wife, um, which is something that you have to do. And kind of like what we were talking about earlier in the episode, you have to be intentional about it. You have to set aside that time. And th- under no circumstances does that time get uh, voided out. Like you cannot give that up for any reason. Um, and so that was that was the biggest thing for me was, was that once I found out that we were on the same page on these foundational issues and that we were both striving to live a holy life and we wanted to have a, a family and we you know uh Haley was actually joining the church she was not even baptized uh when we were actually dating but she was completely open and she received uh five sacraments in three months so um which was awesome like she just was like super holy um at that point and um, so that was that. I mean, that was that was the biggest thing for me. Is like once once you, once we uh, were all on the same page was to make sure that we had a, a prayer life scheduled together, even when we were not married. Um, I didn't. I was an idiot. Um, I was extremely <laughs> immature. Uh, if I could go back though, I would love to have been a man when I got married, like already. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, like marriage has made me a man. Um, sure. Just in the sense of taking responsibility for myself, taking responsibility that ha- that for that happens. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's a great marriage is awesome. Right. Uh, it's a great sacrament. But but anyway, I was just I was just stupid and selfish and immature. And like just looking back at some of the insensitive things I did when we were dating or just the inconsiderateness or just, um, you know, I tried to incorporate prayer and things like that, but, but by and large, I was just kind of selfish. Like, and, and, um, you know, I know, you know, thank God my wife was patient with that and like endured some of my stupidity, but I regret not pursuing her in a more holy fashion. Like I said, we weren't Catholic at the time. We didn't have that like rich and deep, kind of uh, framework for understanding sure. virtue and things like that. Um, that's something we kind of discovered together. But um, yeah, I was just, I, I wasn't there uh, at the time. And I yeah. regret that. Yeah. I mean, I think that obviously there's the, like the baseline stuff about establishing chastity as something that you pursue together. Um, I mentioned in my, many of my previous relationships, that was, I was kind of the only you know, chastity was up to me. Uh, the people I dated, they were fine with that, you know, but if I was if I was having a moment of weakness, they were also fine with that too. So um, you have to be on the same page with that uh, because that's the only way it will work. Um, it doesn't work in my experience otherwise. So you have to have these things in common. You have to, and, and I got to the point where I was saying on f- my first date with somebody, this, this is the kind of relationship I'm pursuing. And if that's not something that, you're pursuing then this has been a very effective discernment that we can no longer date right um it's like this is what i want and i'm looking for somebody who also wants these same things and just be very honest and open about it right up front because otherwise it's just a waste of time like oh it took us two months to realize you didn't want kids you know oh i guess i should have asked you that uh a long time ago so um just you know, from the beginning and, you know, 
it's not like you go up to somebody's like hello i find you attractive would you like to discuss children you know it's like uh <laughs> that's not that's how you get the cops called obviously you. not yeah, what you should do don't do that i also have found that unaffected okay <laughs> so um just uh make it clear that um you and her are both discerning god's will okay and if if you propose, if you decide to get married, it will be because you have both come to the determination that it's God's will that that for that to happen. Um, and so, in order to do that, you have to do things um, like, like Adam mentioned, praying together, being that spiritual leader, um, so that she knows. Because part of her discernment is going to be: Is this man capable of leading my family spiritually? So you have to show that you can be that guy. Um, that's, and I, I want to, you know, what you said earlier about like being able to fast, like work on yourself, guys, like work on yourself. Don't make your wife put up with your crap for five years before you get your act together. Right. You know, like work on yourself so that you can enter marriage without foundation of virtue, self-control, self-sacrifice, self-denial. Because you're going to need it when you get married. Right. Marriage isn't just a cakewalk. There's a lot of sacrifices and challenges involved. And the more you can prepare yourself for that internally, like if I was talking to my younger self, I'd be like, dude, start working on yourself. Right. Um, because it's, it's so essential to marriage. The last advice I would say is that in order to prepare yourself for marriage, you first should discern the priesthood. You will not be capable. You, I, don't, I don't think you're ready for marriage unless you have said, I have discerned that this in, is in fact the vocation I'm being called to. Um, I, so many men just assume, oh, I'm obviously going to get married, and so they just go forward um, without ever stopping first, because before you get to marriage, uh, are you even called to the married life in the beginning? Maybe you're called to religious life or, uh, you know, the priesthood. Uh, the, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, And anything that you learn in priest or like discern in priesthood is only going to make you a better Husband, husband and, fa and yeah. father in the uh, in in the long term. And I have also noticed that if you, if like the ladies find out that, oh, you discerned out of you discerned out of seminary, that's sort of like a like oh, I'll go on a date with him. <laughs> he discerned out of seminary, did he? Oh, yeah. well, I didn't realize. <laughs> the last thing I really, the last drum I want to beat one more time is guys, just ask the girls out. As David was saying, there's just eligible Catholic girls all over the place, virtuous Catholic girls. Not always, but you know, there, there's a higher ratio. And like, ask them out, face your fears, put yourself on the line. There's going to be failure, and that's okay. That's part of the process. You're going to fail, but God's going to meet you halfway when you act. So don't. Don't just be paralyzed by fear and insecurity and what if she says no and, mm -hmm. you know, like, just do it. Just yeah. do it and leave it in God's hands. And if she says no, it's okay. Yeah. Just okay. ask her again later. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. All right. Thank you all. Let's give the uh, Catholic Man Show one last round of applause.